Hello there, everyone. Thank you very much for having me uh, to come here and speak with you and to worship with you. Today, I bring you my greetings and my love from uh, Heath Evangelical Church on Whitchurch Road in Cardiff. And uh, let us thank you as well as a church for uh, doing so much in serving other churches with all the stuff that you do and provide and make here. So thank you. We're very grateful to God for you. Now, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Acts and chapter 2. That's where we are this morning. And if you've got pens and paper there and you like to draw things to help you get through the message, right? Here's what I want you to draw if any kids are listening. I want you to draw for me Pentecost. I want to see what you draw when I say draw Pentecost. I want to see people preaching the gospel of Jesus, and I want to see all these people listening, thousands of them. I want to see 3,000 individual stick men being baptized. All right, I want, I, want to see, I want to see as much as you can get on that piece of paper, right? And then you can show me at the end as well. I want to see them. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to drop in at the end of Peter's sermon in chapter 2. So before we read those verses, let's, uh, let's just catch up with what's going on in Pentecost. We're in Jerusalem, and the place is absolutely bristling with people. They've all come from all over the world to worship in Jerusalem for Pentecost. They've come from all over the place, but suddenly... Well over a hundred Christians explode into the city from this house and they are all gossiping, they are all preaching, they are all telling the good news about Jesus. And they are speaking in languages which they would never learned. You can see that in verse 11 where it's, it lists all these different places and all these different types of people. Uh, there's people from Pamphylia and Egypt and Libya and so on. And it says they all heard them declaring the wonders of God in their own languages. They all heard what God had done for these Christians through Jesus Christ. That's what they heard. What would you think if you were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and you witnessed that weird event. Looking out, you can see there are fishermen, and there are some lawyers, and there's a couple of solicitors. There's plenty of businesswomen with them. There's some Pharisees, a couple of those, and perhaps even a couple of Roman soldiers. And all this hodgepodge of people are all together, and they're all telling the good news about Jesus, what God had done for them in Jesus. What would you think if you saw that? What on earth is going on? What is this? How do I explain this? Or in verse 12 it says, They were amazed and perplexed and asked one another, What does this mean? Now that's a very important question, and that's the question we're going to consider together this morning. And that's the question that Peter answers when he preaches his sermon in Acts chapter 2. He's answering the question, what does the event Pentecost even mean? Now let's skip to verse 36 then, shall we? Let's skip his sermon and look at this conclusion right at the end there. He says, this is what Pentecost means. He says, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter says it just like a fact, doesn't he? God has made Jesus Lord and Christ. And that explains what you're witnessing, what you're seeing, what you're hearing. It's, that's what Pentecost means. Pentecost is proof positive that Jesus is the real deal. He really is who he says he is. 
He really did live as God in the flesh. He really did die on a cross for sinners. He really did rise from the dead. He really is there available now for us all to call on and be saved. He really did ascend. As we saw, was it last week, a couple of weeks ago, He really did ascend into the heavens to be with the Father. And He really does pour out the Holy Spirit onto His people who believe in Him. Got that great verse, haven't we? In verse 33, we just read it. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So what does Pentecost mean? It means that Jesus is Lord and Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe, really, that Jesus is Lord and Christ? Let's just look at those two words very quickly together. Jesus is Lord. We've heard that sort of language before. Uh, Peter's used it before. And he says with all the church now in Jerusalem, this packed full of people, Jesus is Lord. But the thing is, lots of people have called Jesus Lord for a number of years already. While he was preaching in and around Jerusalem, lots of people called him Lord. So what's the big deal? No, Peter says, no, I'm not, I'm not just saying that he's just Lord, like we always called him Lord. I'm saying that he is the Lord. He is the Lord. What does Pentecost mean? It means that Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord of the heavens, the King of glory, the ruler of the universe. Right now, Peter says, even now, Jesus is sat at the right hand of the Father on heaven's throne, far above all powers, because he is Lord. Imagine that sinking in to the minds of those people who are listening to Peter's sermon. These people have been coming from all over the world to seek the Lord in worship. And they've been doing it for years, maybe dozens of times they've done this. But now they come to Jerusalem and they hear this good news about Jesus, that He is the Lord that they have been looking for. I don't know how far you came to church today. Uh, It might be just down the road, it might be Timbuktu, I don't know, but... uh, How long have you been seeking the Lord here? How many times? Peter and all the church say, look no further. Look no further. Jesus is Lord and Pentecost proves it. The Holy Spirit fills people up and tells them that Jesus is Lord. Let's look at that second one. Jesus is Lord and he is Christ. Now, what does that mean? We say it a lot, don't we? We say the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does it mean? Well, it means that the Father, God the Father, has chosen him. He's put his finger on him and set him apart. He's called him special, unique. He is segregated for a special task. Now what task might that be? What makes Jesus special as Christ, the one selected and chosen by God? He has a task as the mediator, a go-between, the only one, the only hope of anyone ever knowing God or being right with God or being at peace with God. See, 
the Bible tells us that we have sin in us. And we do things that are sins and we're totally ruined by them and we can't help but do these things we have this sin in us which makes us filthy in the sight of God we can have nothing to do with him because he's so perfect he's so holy he's so other than us he's right and perfect and pure and light and we are just not what's more is he is angry with us because of our sin and so what we need desperately need is a Christ a mediator Someone to go between us, to wash away our sin and reconcile us to God. Now, if anyone gets this, I know it's going to be the kids. Because uh, what happens when, you are, uh, when you're younger in school, and we'll have all have been there, see if you can remember this. You have your friends in school, and sometimes you fall out with them. And they become your unfriends. And you decide, I'm not talking to them anymore. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes more than once in a day with the same people. And when you're not speaking to these people, what what happens is you have to find someone, don't you? You say, I'm not speaking to my friend now, but I need to send them a message. I need to tell them that they smell or that we can be friends again or something like that. And so you find someone else, don't you? And you say, go and tell them what I have to say. When you're estranged, you're not friends anymore, you need somebody to go in between you. Somebody to speak for you. And Peter says on Pentecost that God sent Jesus as Christ, the only hope for sinners like us, the only mediator, the only go-between. It wasn't too later that Peter had another opportunity to preach, and he said this about the Lord Jesus. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men, given to men, by which we must be saved. So I asked you a moment ago, how long have you been seeking the Lord? And we said, look no further, Jesus is Lord. Well, now I can ask you, are you looking for peace with God? Does your heart ache for reconciliation with God? Look no further, Peter says, with all the church, Jesus is the Christ who washes away sin and makes us right with God again. And Pentecost proves it. Now we have a little hiccup here, a little bump in the road, because Jesus already said that he was Lord and Christ. Pentecost comes across as some big news event, but Jesus already said in his preaching and all that he did that he was Lord and Christ. We even got it right at the beginning, before Jesus even learned how to speak, when he was a brand new baby. And uh, the angels came to the shepherds on the hill. Do you remember what they said? A baby has been born in the city of David who is Christ the Lord. And this crowd that Peter's speaking to, if they know anything about Jesus' ministry, they already know, they've heard it before, that he is Lord and Christ. And you've heard it before, haven't you? Probably. Probably already heard that Jesus says he is Lord and Christ our only hope the real deal you've already heard it but do you believe it that's the point do you believe it you've heard it before but do you believe it that he lived and he really died and he really rose and he really went into heaven to be with the father and he really sends his spirit 
on all who believe. Do you believe that? Many of us don't. And you know what's interesting? Neither did they. Many of these people were even present when Jesus was crucified. They crucified him. And yet something quite frightening is happening. Here they are, and here you are. They're listening, and you're listening. And they are changing their minds. The Holy Spirit that is poured out at Pentecost hits them and opens their eyes and they begin to realize and see for the first time that they were wrong not to believe in the Lord Jesus. What if you're wrong? Is your mind changing? Are you beginning to realize that these are facts? That Jesus is your Lord. He's your Christ. He's your only hope to be forgiven. Now, have you ever done something, I wonder, where uh, immediately after you've done it, you think, oh no. (laughs) Oh boy, I'm done for here. We've all been there, I think. I remember when I was uh, in high school, I had a history teacher called Mr. Reg. I hope he watches the recording so I can say sorry about this. Um, But... uh, I was misbehaving terribly in his classroom while he wasn't there, and in the middle of the act, red-handed, a teacher walks in. I thought, boy, oh boy, I'm done for. I'm toast, I thought. As it happens, Mr. Reg was very kind, and he let me off quite lightly with that the next day. But um, imagine realizing that you're not just guilty of misbehaving in a classroom, but you're guilty of the murder of God's Son, who is the Lord, and who is Christ, your only hope. Just imagine that dawning upon you. Because that's what's happening to these people at Pentecost. You know, Isaiah says in chapter 53 that we, everyone in this room even, we are guilty of killing Jesus because it was our sin that put him on the cross. And the terror of that realization, the magnitude of all that that means, just how guilty we are, dawns on them in verse 37, when they say to Peter and to the other people that are preaching this gospel, they say, brothers, what shall we do? What can we do? We are so unfathomably guilty. What we've done, refusing the Lord Jesus, what can I do? Peter gives hope. He says, hope is not all lost. He says in verse 38, he says, although your situation is pretty terrible, there's two things you can do. So have a look with me here in verse 38. There's the two things. The first one, Peter replied, repent. That's the first thing we can do, repent. What that means is to change, to change. Right now, Peter says, your life is all about you. It's about the world that you live in. It's about your sin. It's about doing as you wish. It's about denying Jesus as Lord, not believing in Him as Christ. It's about refusing to come to His loving embrace, denying and saying no thank you to the gift of forgiveness that He offers. You must change. 
We must turn, instead of being away from the Lord Jesus, we must turn to the Lord Jesus. Call Him Lord. Throw all of our sin and all of our guilt and throw it upon Him and confess, You are my Christ. The one who bears my sin. The one who takes that away. I don't know if we've got any train enthusiasts in the room. They're, I find that they're a bit more... Oh yeah, we've got at least one. They're, they're more, there's more of them than we think, I think. But um, you've got... <laughs> think of a train. If you've got the front end is going towards something, the back end can't help but go away from where it was, isn't it? It can't go two ways at once. And what Peter says when he says repent is you are going this way. You need to change and go in the other direction. Go away from the old life, sin, guilt, not believing Jesus as Lord and Christ, and go the other way. Go towards this Lord Jesus. Throw all of your sin upon Him. Call Him Lord. Call Him Christ. Repent. The second thing he says, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized. Now, being baptized is the sign, isn't it? It's a sign that matches repentance. You might play snap sometimes, um, or perhaps I say sometimes, who plays snap anymore? Maybe years ago you used to play snap, and if you play repentance, you can play baptism. They, they match. The washing with water says, no more dirty life of sin. No more unbelief without the Lord Jesus. Now a new life of good works for Him. Everlasting life in Him. Sayonara, doubt, unbelief, sin, death. Hello to life and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what does Pentecost mean? It means change your mind and prove it. Join the church, follow Jesus together as our Lord and our Christ. That's what Pentecost means. That Jesus is your Lord and your Christ. And when you repent, when you are baptized, you will be forgiven all of your sin. Completely washed away. Guilt free. And you will receive the Holy Spirit into your own life. Let me close with this then. Because what I've just been talking about is pretty phenomenally good news. We're talking here about somebody who is condemned sinner going to being a saint, a Christian, washed of all their sin and guilt with the Lord Jesus. There's no bigger turnaround you can have. That is good news. It's too good to be true, is it? Is it for me? It's a question that ought to hang on all of our minds. Is this for me? Can I really be forgiven? Am I really fit to be baptized? How can I repent after all these years going in this direction? Well, you know, that's one of the most wonderful things about Pentecost, isn't it? It's what Pentecost is all about. You see, in the Old Testament, and I imagine you will have heard this now over the last few days or weeks at Pentecost the people offered to God the first fruits 
They said, thank you for these things. The first things to grow this season. Thank you for these, Lord God. We know now that you will be faithful to give us the rest of the harvest. In Acts 2, we read that 3,000 people, and I hope you've drawn them all for me now, 3,000 people repented, were baptized, forgiven of all of their sin, and joined the church in the life of the Holy Spirit. They were the sort of first fruits. And so we are assured that the whole harvest, the rest of the world, will be gathered in. You can be assured that this gospel, this good news about Jesus, repent, be baptized, and you'll be forgiven of all of your sin, is for you. Look what Peter says there in verse 39. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Amen. Let me just pray with you quickly before we go into um, another song together. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless and thank you for this Feast of Pentecost that we have to remember and think about and relive in many ways. We thank you for it, Father, that it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and our Christ. We ask, Lord, that you should grant us the gift of repentance and that we should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that we should know what it is to be forgiven of all of our sin joining the church, following after Christ forever and forever. Thank you, Lord God, for being so kind to us that when you found us in our sin, you did not leave us alone, but that you sent us a Savior, someone who is fit to be trusted. Father, grant these things to us, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.